Bore da, chroeso cynnes i'r oedfa yma am llwy caslwch o'r Mae mor braf cael chi. Good morning and a very warm welcome to morning worship in the parish of Caslwch o'r It's lovely to have you with us this morning. As we worship together, I hope that you'll see Jesus more clearly, follow him more nearly and love him more dearly. It's great to have Ben Jones, our new ordinand, with us for the first time this morning. Ben is going to be reading the gospel for us and leading us in our intercessions. And I hope that you'll encourage and pray for him as he journeys towards ordination at Petertide next year. As I open the service this morning, let me pray the special prayer of the church, the collect for us. So let us pray. God, who in generous mercy sent the Holy Spirit upon your church in a burning fire of your love, grant that your people may be fervent in the fellowship of the gospel and that abiding in you, they may be found steadfast in faith and active in service. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Listen to the Gospel of Christ according to St. Mark. Jesus and his disciples went on to the villages around Caesarea Philippi. On the way he asked them, Who do people say I am? They replied, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked, Who do you say I am? Peter answered, You are the Christ. Jesus warned them not to tell anyone about him. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, 
and that he must be killed, and after three days rise again. He spake, spoke plainly about this, and Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan, he said. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a person to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can a person give in exchange for their soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them when he comes in the Father's glory and with the holy angels. This is the Gospel of the Lord.
May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our great Redeemer. Amen. Imagine with me for a moment that you're a first century Jew, living in a culture of persecution and oppression. You would have found considerable comfort in the scriptures of the Old Testament, scriptures that promised a new and better leader, one that would take you out of oppression into a new and promised land where you could live distinctive lives as God's people. It was into that culture of watching and waiting that Jesus entered. He gave sight to the blind, unstopped the ears of the deaf, and enabled the lame to leap like the deer of the field. People watching and waiting began to ask themselves, who is this Jesus? Might he be that long-awaited, long-expected, promised Messiah? As the Gospel today opens, Jesus is on a journey to Caesarea Philippi, and on that journey he draws Peter, one of his disciples, to one side and asks Peter, who do people say that I am? Jesus was aware that there was considerable speculation about his identity. And so he asks Peter, what are they saying? Who do they believe me to be? Some, Peter says, believe you to be John the Baptist. Yet others say that you're Elijah. And others believe you to be one of the prophets. People were considering the identity of Jesus. For some, he was the great prophet John, who baptised in the Jordan. For others, he was Elijah, one of the pillars of the Old Testament. And yet others were unsure, but they believed him to be one of the prophets, someone who pointed us to God and enabled us to see God more clearly. Then, Jesus turning to Peter, says, never mind about them. Who do you believe me to be? Who do you say that I am? For Peter, Jesus is the Messiah. And this is the first point of the Gospel today. Ultimately, every single one of us who is on that journey of faith, endeavouring to be a disciple, must at some point in our lives ask that crucial question. Who do we believe Jesus is? Is he a good teacher or a prophet? Or is he more than that? Is he our saviour and our Lord? Is he Emmanuel, God with us? Do we believe that as we look into the eyes of Jesus, we see the eyes of God? Do we believe that in his words and in his deeds we come face to face with something of God's love, his compassion and his acceptance of us? So who do you say that Jesus is? Is he a teacher? Is he a prophet? Someone whose words were encouraging and good? Or is he more than that? Is he your saviour? And your Lord, who do you say that I am? Having affirmed that for Peter, Jesus is Emmanuel, God with them. 
having said that for him, Peter believed Jesus to be God himself. Jesus goes on to show him what kind of God he is and how it would be that he would be saviour and Lord. Jesus is a God who even when he is despised and rejected, even when he's betrayed and sent on the lonely journey to the cross, would not give up on his people because his love for them was so deep and so great. He is a God who would lay down his life, dying the death of a criminal on a solitary Roman cross. And for Peter, believing Jesus to be Emmanuel, the Jewish Messiah, this reality that he would die on a cross a criminal's death was unfathomable, unbelievable. The Jewish Messiah couldn't die like that. Peter was left with no option but to protest. And Jesus, well, he rebukes Peter in quite a strong way. Go behind me, Satan. This is how it must be. Don't stand in my way. God will show the depths of his love in choosing not to abandon people, even when they betray him, even when they reject him, even when they turn their backs on him. And so I want to encourage you to look carefully at these words. Have there been times on your journey when you've turned your back on God? Have there been times when you felt perhaps that you don't reach the mark, that you're not good enough, that you're not able enough? Your words, your deeds have perhaps in some way let him down. Jesus, in his laying down of his own life, shows us that love never gives up. And the incredible thing about the love that Christians believe is revealed in Jesus is that that is never earned or deserved. There's nothing we can do to make God love us more or to make him love us less. His love is a gift. It's given freely. And all we have to do is accept it. So perhaps for you, hearing these words today, you're encouraged to look afresh at the Christian faith. No matter what's happened in the past, no matter where you are today, perhaps weighed down by shame or guilt or the things that you've done or haven't done, I want you to see today that God loves you unconditionally and unbelievably. And his love is a gift. Who do you say that I am? Am I your saviour? Am I your Lord? Will you accept that free gift? Will you embrace it? Will you realise that you don't have to earn or deserve it? It's given freely. Simply accept it. Jesus goes on to say that to have life in all its fullness, we have to lay down our own lives. And it's a reminder that that free gift, that gift of his loving grace, is powerful. If we've accepted it, if we've experienced it in our own lives, then we're challenged to lay down 
our own life and to embrace instead life in all its fullness, the kind of life that Jesus longs for us to live. And so I want to challenge you today to remind you that if you've experienced that free gift of God's love, it's not a cheap gift. It's powerful and it challenges us to live lives of radical holiness. Are there things in your life that are preventing you from living as God would have you live? Is there perhaps anger or bitterness or resentment or an unwillingness to forgive that you're holding on to because you believe it has an effect on someone who's hurt you? Someone who's had an effect on you when in reality the only thing that it does is have an effect on you and prevent you from living life in all its fullness as Jesus would have you live? Are you refusing to forgive someone who's wronged you, believing that in some way it has an effect on them when in reality choosing not to forgive is like drinking slowly from a bottle of poison. It chips away at you. It limits your joy and your peace and prevents you from living as God would have you live. Choosing to embrace the love of God has an effect on us. It challenges us to become more like Jesus to let our words and our deeds be more like his words and his deeds. It challenges us to become less visible so that he would become more visible. Challenges us to be people whose love is genuine, people who are slow to anger, who are swift to bless, people who are always ready to forgive, those who have wronged us. Laying down our lives and embracing instead the life that Jesus would have us live means living a life of radical integrity in the workplace, being honest even if that is at our detriment. It means thinking carefully about the kinds of words that we use when we're in the club on a Saturday night and choosing not to be drawn into gossip, even if the stories that are being told are juicy and they're ones that we'd like to listen to. Choosing to live a life of radical integrity and being more like Jesus. And we do that, not for our own glory, but for his. Remember that each of you will have a sphere of influence, there will be people in your lives that you come into contact with, friends, family, neighbours, acquaintances. And these are people who perhaps will never enter a church or read a Bible for themselves. You and the way that you live your life will be the only Bible that they will ever read. And so there's a challenge for us to think carefully when people look at us, when people look at me, when people look at you, will they see Jesus? Will they be challenged 
to follow him more nearly and to love him more dearly. My prayer is that as we experience Jesus and as we know him to be our Messiah and our Lord, is that we would, in our lives well lived, equip others and enable them to tumble into the kingdom and to be his disciples too. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Let us pray to God the Father, through Jesus Christ the Son, in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Loving Father, we have come this day to hear your words of healing, of love, and of hope. Enter our hearts and our spirits, and teach us to follow you. Give us the courage, give us the strength to be your faithful disciples, even in the face of struggle and hardship. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, from whom all good things do come, we pray for your church that it may be guided and governed by your Holy Spirit. At this time, we pray for our bench of bishops who have before them the choice of who is to be bishop of this our diocese. May they appoint a faithful pastor who will feed your flock and make ready a people acceptable to you. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, we pray for all the places in the world where there is considerable hurt. Surround the people in those places with your love, 
and grant them knowledge of your presence, that all the hearts crying out in pain and anguish may find their rest in you. Give them endurance in their sufferings and a happy issue out of all their afflictions. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Almighty God, we pray for all your servants departed this life in your faith and fear. Let light perpetual shine upon them, and in your loving wisdom and almighty power, work in them the good purpose of your perfect will. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Thanks be to thee, my Lord Jesus Christ, for all the benefits which thou hast given me, for all the pains and insults which thou hast borne for me. O most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may I know thee more clearly, love thee more dearly, and follow thee more nearly, forever and ever. Amen. We conclude our time of prayer by saying together the prayer that Jesus himself taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power and the glory, for ever and ever. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us yet again this Sunday. It's been so good to have your company. Remember that in-person services in church are now available either in Gosainan at 10 o'clock in the morning 
or in Lachar at three o'clock in the afternoon. Some restrictions continue to make sure that you're safe and well when you worship with us in person, but crucially now, you no longer have to book in advance. So if you'd like to join us, please, we'd love to see you on a Sunday morning. For those of you who continue to feel unsure or anxious about worshipping in person, we're still offering online provisions. And I hope that you'll continue to be blessed as you join us from the safety of your own homes. As a new week begins, I hope that you will be really blessed. And remember that if there's anything we can do for you during the week ahead, then do get in touch with us. We're here to offer love and practical support in any way that you'd like. And we'd love to hear from you too. So let me pray God's blessing on you now as we begin this new week together. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and your minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit be upon you and remain with you always. Amen.